0: Welcome to the Accra Community Church Podcast. So glad you've stopped by. We hope that as you listen to today's sermon, the Holy Spirit through His Word will refill you, recharge you, and equip you for the rest of your journey with Him. Listen to today's sermon. So recently, I I don't cook very often, so... I'm not creating the impression that I'm some great cook in my house. I'm not, but I was I was making some omelets for my kids, and my daughter came and stood by me, and she was like, uh-huh, "You, Daddy, uh, the whale, the whale that uh, swallowed Jonah." And then she was kicking me, and she kept saying, uh, "You, Daddy, the whale that swallowed Jonah." And I didn't know what she meant, so after I was like, "What whale? What are you talking about?" And then she reminded me that. A week or so before, she was about to fry an egg, and she fetched too much oil. So I was passing through the kitchen, and I overheard her mother saying, "Why, why, why you know, this is too much oil to fry an egg." And then I retorted, "That why are you going to fry the whale well that swallowed Jonah?" <laughs> so, so, but I said it in passing and left, you know. So, so, just a quick jab, and I moved on. But she didn't. <laughs> it turned out. She still held it against me, uh, and I'm sure if you, you know, you're like, oh, Nana Kofi, that is so unkind. You know, that is mean. That is very discouraging. The young lady is trying to learn how to cook. This morning, we're going to talk about encouragement. Maybe my words could have been more encouraging instead of jabbing her. That is she going to fry the whale that swallowed Jonah? I could have been more uh, careful in my choice of words we we'll read some scriptures. Acts chapter 4. This is the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 4, verses 36 to 37. Acts chapter 4, 36 to 37 says, For instance, there was Joseph, the one the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He was from the tribe of Levi and came from the island of Cyprus. He saw the field he owned and brought the money to the apostles. So let's read Acts nine twenty-six to 31 Acts 9, 26-31. When Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with the believers, but they were all afraid of him. They did not believe he had truly become a believer. Then Barnabas brought him to the apostles and told them how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus, and how the Lord had spoken to Saul. He also told them that Saul had preached boldly in the name of Jesus in Damascus. So Saul stayed with the apostles and went all around Jerusalem with them, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. He debated with some Greek-speaking Jews, but they tried to murder him. When the believers heard about this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him away to Tarsus, his hometown. The church then had peace throughout Judea, Galilea, and Samaria, and it became stronger as the believers lived in the fear of the Lord. And with the encouragement of the Holy Spirit, it also grew in numbers. And now we go to Acts 15, 36-41. It says, after some time, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit each city where we previously preached the word of the Lord to see how the new believers are doing. Barnabas agreed and wanted to take along John Mark. But Paul disagreed strongly, since John Mark had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in their work. Their disagreement was so sharp that they separated. Barnabas took John Mark with him and sailed for Cyprus. Paul chose Silas, and as he left, the believers entrusted him to the Lord's gracious care. Then he traveled throughout Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches there. Amen. I think from the story I told you about me jabbing my daughter and asking if she was going to fry the whale that swallowed Jonah, we all would agree that harsh words discourage. Harsh words discourage. Uh, And also if I brought up the issue of gossiping, we'd all also agree that gossiping discourages. We are quite sure what discouragement is. Uh, Gossiping is a... so, in, so countries all over the world are making new laws, new laws that have, have, been, have become necessary because of technology. Uh, there is a crime, what has now become a crime in many countries called revenge porn, where basically what two people do in intimacy, trusting each other, when the relationship falls out, one person decides that to get back at you, I'm going to post what was supposed to be me being intimate with just you for the whole world to see. And now nations are enacting laws making it a crime punishable by law. You know, this law didn't exist in many countries before the internet, but today it has become necessary. And gossiping is a bit like that. In environments where I have learned to trust you, what I tell you, you know, when I am being vulnerable to you, intimate with you, believing that this is to you only, when somebody goes and tells another, and the next thing you know, what are supposed to be private is not public. And what happens is that it discourages. So this is the reason why in a lot of churches, people dress up nicely, go and sit down, and say praise the Lord, and walk back home. When you say, oh, it's time for prayer, what do you want us to pray about? So praise the Lord. So there's this orphanage somewhere, I want us to pray for them oh, there is that brother, I want us to pray for him. There's that sister, I want us to pray for her. And they never get personal. Because they are afraid, if I get intimate with you, you you're going to take what was supposed to be between just you and me and broadcast it to the whole world. And secular nations are saying that actually is a crime. And I want to this morning implore the church that, because this is a very, we're a very close church. I don't know if you realize it. Sometimes we'll form little circles and people will share very intimate personal issues and we'll all pray together. And I want us to remember this, that what anybody shares with you stays with you. Amen. The least you can do is pray for them. If you can't, keep quiet. Amen. But even more importantly, I want us to look at encouragement. So I grew up believing encouragement is when you say nice, comforting, positive words to somebody. You know, oh, we have to encourage her. You know, she lost her this or he lost her that. Let's go and encourage her. But a dictionary actually says differently. It says encouragement is the action of giving someone support, confidence, or hope. So encouragement is action. It is giving support. And the reason why this morning we are talking about encouragement and why the picture I really want to share with you is this young man called Barnabas we read about in the Bible. The first time we meet him is in Acts chapter 4. We read the account of him. His real name is Joseph, but nobody remembers that. You know, if I had done a little quiz and said, what is Barnabas' name? Most of you look at me like, his name is Barnabas. But his parents didn't name him Barnabas. (laughs) The name his parents gave him, was Joseph, but in Acts chapter two, when we read the account of the, the the exponential growth of the church, you know, after the after Pentecost when they received the Holy Spirit, and then the apostle Peter preaches with sat fire, and three thousand people are added to the church in one day, and there is this massive growth. You know, these are, these were just a few people when they met in the upper room to pray that they're numbered about 100 so think about it you have a church of 100 people and then the holy spirit moves and then you you preach this sermon and then you move from 100 to 3100 and then by the time you cross acts chapter 3 cities were becoming born again you know the numbers were growing and have you ever wondered what the logistical challenges would be It will be a logistical nightmare. Especially when you remember that the early church was set up almost like a socialist club of sorts. So they try to even their wealth out. So everybody will bring what they have and then so that there will be nobody who is poor and nobody who is needy. In other words, you go to church to get fed three times a day. You got given a place to sleep if you had no, way, uh, no place to sleep. It wasn't just a matter of you come and gather in your thousands and then there's a nice preaching and singing and dancing and you go back home. They took full care of you. Can you imagine what a logistical nightmare that would be to move from 100 to 3,000? So it is in the midst of this chaos. It was a blessing but it was also chaotic that Joseph who had a field it wasn't one plot, two plots. It was a field. You know, in my understanding, a field is, is is vast land. And the Bible says he sold his field and quietly came and laid the money, all the money he got from selling his field quietly came and laid it at the apostles' feet. So the apostles named him Son of Encouragement. So in Jewish culture, this people would name so I would have been you know, by whatever, and that was my father's name. So when you read bar Jesus," means son of Jesus. Barnabas is son of Nabas. Encouragement also means son of rest. When, if, if encouragement ever had a child, that child will look like this young man. Amen. And if we look at him, he looks like somebody who was trapped in the shadows of others. He was never properly identified as an apostle. He didn't carry any of the fancy titles. He, he did missionary trips with Paul many, many times. He helped planting churches. And yet nobody ever addressed him by the name Apostle Barnabas. He was just Barnabas. It was enough. Son of encouragement. Barnabas teaches us that encouragement is 99% action and 1% verbal. Encouragement goes way beyond what we say to what we do. Not only did he support the church financially, when Paul, when this man who had been persecuting the church and was killing people in the name of God, when he was on his way to Damascus and had that miraculous encounter and became born again, when Saul actually gave his life to Christ and now became part of the saints. As we read in the book of Acts chapter 9, it was a huge problem for the church to accept him. People thought he was a spy. He was coming, he was coming in because the church was avoiding him. The church was afraid of him. They were terrified. So everybody was afraid. This guy says he's become born again. But how do we know it's true? I mean, it's not as if when you give your life to Jesus, your color changes from whatever it is to green or yellow. You know, you don't change in the physical. So how do we know that this guy has truly become born again? Isn't he just coming to become a spy? Isn't he just coming to spy on us and know all our secrets so that he can weed us out? And Barnabas decided, that, listen, I'll put my reputation on the line and I'm going to vouch for you. He had nothing to gain in this. But Barnabas reached out to the apostles, held Saul by the hand and went to introduce him. And it's an interesting account to read because we hear Barnabas telling the apostles about how Saul got born again. Yet he wasn't there when Saul got born again. He talked about how Saul preached in the name of Jesus boldly in Damascus. Yet he wasn't there when Saul did that. He was an advocate for this man. Spoke so passionately for him. You'd think he was getting paid to do the PR job. But he wasn't. But his name is Barnabas. He's the son of encouragement. And when he stood to lose everything... Can you imagine? You see, to understand this story, sometimes we have to expand the context a bit. At least we know Stephen was one of the people who got killed. Imagine, we don't know if Stephen was married. Let's say he was dating. So you were Stephen's girlfriend. This guy really feared the Lord, loved the Lord, and he was stoned to death. He wasn't sure to death. They stoned him. You watch him agonizing, pain, dying little by little. And this is the man who did it. And then a brother you love and respect comes and says, This guy who. Murdered your brother, your son, your boyfriend. This guy, he's not one of us. How are you going to feel about that? This is the kind of environment in which Barnabas had to step. Holding Saul's hand and say, listen, I believe you. I believe your story. I wasn't there, but I truly believe God has, Jesus has appeared to you and you are now born again and I'll put my reputation on the line, and I will go with you. I will risk everything to help you. Amen. So this person whom the apostles avoided not only got to stay with them, but he became one of them. Amen. Amen. The last lesson on encouragement we can learn from Barnabas was what we read in Acts chapter 15 when after their first missionary trip, Paul comes to him and says, Barnabas, don't you think it would be a good idea if we went back to all the cities we traveled to and planted churches? Yes, to check up on the churches. And Barnabas said, that's a good idea. Let's do it. But just before they set off, there's a young man called John Mark. And Barnabas said, let's take John Mark along with us. We are getting old. At this point in, in his life, he wasn't as young as he used to be when he sold this field to bless the church. He said, we need to mentor others. And Paul said, no, no, no. We can mentor everybody, but not John Mark. And Barnabas says, why? He says, because he abandoned us. Because the last time we took him on a missionary trip, he dropped the ball. He abandoned us. And the Bible says, he who holds his hand to the plow and looks back is not fit in the kingdom. How many times do we use scriptures to justify our abandoning people? So they got into this debate, and they couldn't settle on this issue. So they split. It was painful, but they split. And the Bible says that Barnabas took John Mark and took him to Cyprus. Remember, Cyprus is where Barnabas is from. He took him back home. To do what? We don't know. But the Bible is a very interesting book, because when you get to 1 Corinthians... Sorry, when we get to Second Timothy chapter 4, Paul is a very old man now. In fact, a lot of people believe this is his very last epistle he wrote before he died. Second, his second letter to Timothy was his last epistle before he died. And then, when he's at this, in this old age, he writes and says, This one has deserted me, and that one has deserted me. But uh, please bring me John Mark. He'll be very, very helpful to me in ministry. The young man who abandoned him once. The young man he was not willing to disciple and mentor. The young man he didn't want to have anything to do with. This young man that Barnabas took and said, listen, I'm not going to give up on him. Barnabas teaches us never to give up on people. Amen. The least we can do is to pray for them. But even more importantly, we can live out encouragement. We can mentor. We can invest in them. Amen. In this church, we've talked very often about uh, finding rehabilitation centers so that if people come in our midst who struggle with drug addiction, we won't just pray for them. We won't just encourage them with words. We'll get them professional help. Amen. We've talked about running a 5 plus 5 program where uh, half of what we bring, half of what we intend to give to the church. Normally, most Christians will take their 10% of their salary and call it tithe and they'll take that to the church. And we say, don't bring all 10% to us as a church. The the running of the church can do with uh, 50% of that. The other 50, we put into this program called 5 plus 5. And with that, we can help the needy We can help the vulnerable. We won't just say, God bless you, take a bag of rice. To the best of our ability, we'll go deeper. Amen. If we can teach them to farm, if we can teach them to fish, we'll be like Barnabas to them. Amen. Barnabas seems stuck in the shadows of the apostles. But when you view him in the light of Christ, he shines very brightly. And church, I want to say that This is a check that started in March of this year. We are not even a year old. And I was recounting how we got here. I was playing back how we got here. And I realized that many of you have been Barnabas' to us. Amen. The amount of work that goes into making Sunday happen is ridiculous. It is huge. But every Sunday we get here. And sometimes the AC isn't too strong and it acts us a bit. You know, sometimes there may be some noise leaking from upstairs because some people are doing you know what they do in most of these churches they'll be doing and then you have teams running up and down negotiating with the owners of the property you know threatening them begging them whatever to make sure that we can have peaceful service amen uh people walking up say what does the church need i'm traveling whatever you need let me know i'll i'll buy it and bring you know they you guys have been barnabas to us. Amen. And this morning, I want to say God bless you. Amen. But even more importantly, and that's why I brought in the, the bit about, about the gossip. We are a church family. And the vision is that we can be barnabas to each other. Amen. But for that to thrive, we have to also see the example of Barnabas. Shortly after Barnabas sold his field and brought the money, a couple also tried doing the same. Ananias and Sapphira. The only problem with Ananias and Sapphira was that making, get, gaining the respect or reputation of having done it was more important than actually doing it. That was the problem with Ananias and Sapphira. So they went through the motion of pretending as if they had sold their property and they had brought the money to the church. But actually, you no. Know, yes, they had sold their property, but they didn't bring all the money to the church. And the Apostle Peter looked at them and said, why are you lying to the Holy Spirit? And God still both husband and wife. It is hard to be a Barnabas. It is hard to give so much and yet give in secret. It is so hard to give with your right hand and not let your, your left hand see it. And yet this is what Jesus encourages. Because he says if you give and you broadcast it to the whole world, you've already received your reward. It is hard to be a Barnabas. It is hard to serve with the apostles. You know, interestingly, if you read First Corinthians chapter nine, the Apostle Paul was writing to the church in Corinth and saying, "Listen, Peter and Co, you take care of them. You know, when they are traveling, they can travel with their wives. They get paid by the church. But when it comes to me and Barnabas, how come nobody supports us? We have to support ourselves in ministry. Why is this going on? This is discriminatory, isn't it? Written in the Bible that he who, that, you know, the ox that uh, whatever the corn don't muzzle that ox. You know. So he makes a huge argument. And you're like, oh. So it's not as if Barnabas had so much that say after selling that field he had a million more. No, actually he gave everything he had to the kingdom. And he was actually struggling to support himself as a missionary. Many of us give everything we can but as we give, we have to remember it is to the Lord. For as long as he lived, he was quite obscure. He wasn't, when you talk about the 12 apostles, he's not one of them. You know, when you talk about he's some believe he was one of the 70. But whatever he was, he was there. And he fixed his mind on pleasing his king. I want us to bow down our heads in prayer. I don't know what ministry God has called you to. Not all of us have been called to sell our fields and give the money to the church. Some are like Simon the Tanner. They got to keep their homes, but they open it for the use of God's work. We are all called to different things, to different ministries. But we can all serve with open hearts, knowing that our service is not unto man unto God. We can learn to be there for one another. We can learn to be barnabbaes, to be there for people in their time of frustration and need. To show up in people's lives, assuring them and they knowing they can trust us with their deepest pains, with their deepest secrets. Father, this morning we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for how you encourage our spirit of God. You are our first encourager. We thank you. We thank you. We pray, Lord, that you make us like Barnabas. When people encounter us, the quality of time we give them, the attention we pay to the needs of others, the passion with which we serve, may it please you, Lord, And may we always do it as unto you. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope this sermon blessed you. If it did, will you consider sharing it with a friend? And if you're in Accra looking for a spirit-filled community to worship with, why don't you join us at Mikado Plaza, the Bonnie Junction, Accra, on Sundays from 9 to 10.30 a.m. You can also follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Accra Church, And visit our website, aquachurch.org, for more sermons. God bless you.